0: I'm going to invite you to be seated if in your fullness of life you can be seated, but I do invite you to be seated, coming in that fullness of life that Christ has given us. And if that's a new concept for you, just listen in and hear and just be aware of, wow, God's going to introduce his life to you this morning. But I do need to reveal this morning as I come in our service to bring you the message that today I have nothing for you. The message is nothing. The word that I have for you is nothing. I'm hoping you will receive nothing and that you will go away with nothing. Kind of sounds odd, doesn't it? There is something that you will receive because I want you to stay tuned to hear what is in the midst of nothing. Now, sometimes there's a challenge here Because some of us of the male gender sometimes give that as our frequent answer. When uh, the ladies in our life, our wife might ask, what are you thinking about? Sometimes we answer and say, nothing. (laughs) And we feel like the response we get from them is that's not a justifiable answer. And we just feel totally comfortable with giving that answer. But ladies are thinking, you're always thinking about something. This thought connects with that thought, and this thought, and that thought, and so you've got to be thinking about something. Well, gentlemen, I'm here to relieve your fears and tell you that by the end of this morning, you will be able to answer with the word nothing and feel so confident and filled (laughs) because you will know what's within nothing. The message this morning is entitled, Nothing is Everything. Nothing is everything. Now, I hope I piqued your curiosity to stay and come with me a little bit. The context for this message comes out of a revelation that that God gave me when I was on my journey of faith. I knew and believed that God was my creator. I had said yes to Jesus to invite his son to be my savior and my Lord. But there was a frustration I was walking through at a season in my faith journey because I knew God here, and I received his son what I believed in here, but there was just something missing in that connection. There was something that kept coming up like it was nothing, and I wanted more. I wanted more of what God would do to connect those pieces together so I could understand. You see, as a young teenager uh, in faith, I wanted the stuff I saw in the world. <laughs> I wanted bigger, I wanted faster, I wanted cooler. I wanted something that would make me look all of those things as well. And I remember just being frustrated with, but God, I see this and I want that and I want that. And and yet I knew somehow what I was, that feeling of want and need and reaching out that I didn't feel sufficient in, just there was a disconnect because all that I was wanting seemed very temporary. And in my faith, I became frustrated because I, I thought, God, I'm supposed to be alive in you, but I feel like those things out there will make me more alive. So I need you to reveal to me what will make me fully alive. What is it? You see, because as a, as a teenager, um, I was enthralled with dirt bikes. I was so excited about dirt bikes. They would go up and down in my neighborhood because I lived in a small community up north of Toronto on Lake Simcoe, and, and I'd hear them wind up and I'd think, I just want a dirt bike. And my mom, being a mom, um, concerned about some safety aspect or something she would use, and she'd say, you're not old enough yet for a dirt bike. And I kept pleading, and I brought pictures, and I would show her, this is the one I want. And, and she said, well, if we bought you a dirt bike, you would have to keep it in your bedroom until you're old enough to ride it. I said, deal, done. <laughs> Whatever it takes. I don't mind sitting on it. But because I was, I was hungry for more, and that didn't change as I got older, because I had a snowmobile because we lived in snowmobile country, but I always wanted a faster snowmobile. We did boating in the summer on the lake, but I wanted a cooler boat. And because I grew up in the era of Back to the Future, I wanted a Toyota 4Runner because Marty McSorley had one, and that's what I thought would be cool. So, you know, there was all this I wanted and need, and, and yet I knew somehow that that wasn't what would make me alive. And so I said, God... I'm doing this journey of walk of faith with you. I believe you are an eternal living God who does life with me in relationship. How is it you are going to bring me alive? Because right now I feel so self-centered and I felt some guilt in the, all those feelings of wanting and asking and pleading and praying for. I remember one time I entered a, con- a contest This just came to me to win a new snowmobile. And I prayed that they would pick my name. <laughs> and I even followed up to say afterward when the date expired, and I said, So, was it me? And I figured it wasn't because I didn't call, and of course not. But I was so infatuated with something that would make me alive, but it was all temporary things. And in my prayer, God took me and plopped me right onto Philippians chapter 2. Would you open there? I want you to see the life that comes out of the book of Philippians. That Paul the Apostle brings to us and teaches us and gives us. Because he was not just writing this and teaching it for a church in the town of Philippi. This was long lasting. This applies to us here in the town of Bloomingdale. This is relevant for you and I. Because these are eternal principles, long lasting. And where God landed me in this midst of my faith journey challenge frustration of looking for what would make me alive Was here in chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading at verse 5. Paul said, Your attitude, Brian, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And when I read these words, it truly sounded like that. Your attitude, Brian, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He got my attention. Lord, my goodness, my attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world. Uh, God, that's that's huge that you're calling me into this to to yield, to be transformed into the likeness, the attitude, the heart of Christ. But what I saw in this as it, it drew me deeper, I wanted to understand what was Christ's attitude truly like? Well, we just read it, right? Jesus, who being in the very nature God, Jesus being God did not consider equality with God something that could be easily understood by non-gods. <laughs> and so as we look at this for people who don't understand God yet, we begin to ask, what is the nature of God all about? What is God like? If you go to kcf.org, go to our church's website and look at what do we believe, you will see some statements of faith of what we believe the Bible teaches about God. And you will see a statement that says, We believe there is one true God. He is He is eternal, He is the Maker of all things. He is three persons in one substance. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is co-existing, co-eternal, three in one. He is God. And though that is a challenging thought to understand, God knew that. And that's why he said, understand the nature of me is not easy. So my son I'm going to send as a messenger to deliver and to convey my love and my message and my heart to all of you. So being in the very nature of God, Jesus came and made himself nothing. Say that word. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Jesus left what he had and where he was at with the Father and the Spirit, and he came into a realm that was described as being nothing. And he took on the nature of a servant because he wanted to serve you and I. He wanted to serve this world. He wanted to wash our feet, he wanted to touch our hearts. He wanted to lay down his life and say, in this sacrifice, you can now have life. Jesus was the ultimate servant as he came in this way. And as he came in this way to, to serve and to love and to make the Father's uh, presence known, there's a challenge in that because as you read about Jesus, many people ridiculed him and rejected him. said, so there's no way... He could be from the Father. He's actually blaspheming when he talks about the Father. It just isn't possible for him. And yet, the way he loved and touched lives revealed that there was something divine or something heavenly about this one, this man, this possibly could-be Savior, who came to save the world in this way. He came in, the, in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself to the point of obedience. Now, parents, we know what obedience is, right? (laughs) Kids, we also have a different take on obedience, right? (laughs) Sometimes we want obedience to be optional. (laughs) But when Jesus said yes to the Father and coming to this earth that God had created, he he was an all-out yes to the Father. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Father God, I want to do what you want me to do. I only say what you tell me to say. Jesus was an all-out servant in the realm all the way to obedience to death. And as I'm reading this in the context of giving my heart to God and asking him to shape me and guide me, I'm understanding, whoa, this is Jesus who I am to have the same attitude like him. Father, how is this possible Uh, how is this possible in my young faith? I still walk it out in days like today and say, how is this possible in the faith journey I've been on for many years? God, how is it possible for me to walk out and have the same attitude as Christ Jesus did? Because I'm realizing that attitude is going to make me fully alive. You see, I'm alive in my body because I have breath that God has given me. I am alive in my spirit because Christ Jesus, I've invited him in to take away the sin and death and, and I was born again spiritually and I'm alive. But yet, I'm sometimes days feeling only half there. And so on this journey, God, I'm inviting you to make me fully alive. What I saw is God was giving me a revelation of his son, Jesus, so that I could then walk out how to be fully alive. You see, because he backed me up to verse 3. This is the how-to of being fully alive in Christ. Look at it with your own eyes. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. I'm like, whoa, God, (laughs) you're calling me to do that? No wonder I need to have the attitude of Christ Jesus so that it's even possible for me to to walk this out, because you are calling me to do nothing, there it is, nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition, do nothing out of a self-centered, self-pleasing, gratifying, this is just for me, and I don't care who suffers as I go after this, Jesus said, no, do nothing, 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 (laughs) nothing, think about it. Do nothing. Think of the things you've done this morning to get here. Do none of those out of selfish ambition. Whoa. Is that humanly possible? (laughs) Not alone. That's why Christ in us, Christ alive in us, makes the impossible possible. Because when somebody says something to me that I don't like, when one of my kids says to me, No, I'm not going to do that, that's just dumb. It's hard in that moment not to be a self-righteous dad and say, I will, you know, do nothing. Even when somebody defies you. Even when somebody cuts you off. Even when somebody beats you on coin of Gigi or to get something you wanted. Don't put a comment on there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Boastful, arrogant, egotistical. Do nothing in that vein, in that way. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Instead, do the idea, the implication is then do everything in humility. Do nothing like this, but therefore do everything in humility. Considering others better than yourself. (laughs) Do everything thinking about others and how... They're better than yourself. Now, there's an easy twist the enemy loves to do right here because he starts to put the pressure on us and says, oh, yeah, they're better than you. That means you're lowest. That means you're scum. That means you're low like a worm. And sometimes we take that on and, oh, yeah, to make somebody better, then I'll just put myself low, low, low and devalue myself. God says, no, no, no. <laughs> I created you. I said, he's saying, don't think less of yourself. He's saying, think of yourself less. And think of others and the way you can build them up. You see, these words that God has given through Paul were not just for the people of Philippi, they were for Paul, (laughs) but they're for you and I because they're eternal principles that as we say, yes, Jesus, come alive in me, these things will be possible in all the different spheres of our lives. If you believe that and you want to walk life fully alive so that you impact the people you do life with rather than them impacting you, so that your days can be overflowing with strength and joy and something positive rather than look at all the things that are wrong and miserable and and just my life is no good, God is going to give you opportunities to walk this truth out. That's why you start with knowing the attitude of Christ Jesus. Let me tell you about some of the opportunities I've had to walk this truth out because this was a teaching that God brought to my heart as a a teenager in my faith. Before I was on staff here at Koinonia, I worked for our family business. My parents had started a limousine business, and you've heard some of my illustrations in the past. But as I started in the family business and my brother who was managing it, I just wanted to come alongside and serve the vision of the business and to help out in every way. there was a chauffeur who worked there at the time and he saw me as a family member in the family business and so I get chirped and teased and you know they really didn't know I actually I said to my brother I said hey most of your staff doesn't know I should come in and pretend I'm the undercover boss and just have a little bit of fun with your staff he didn't he didn't want to go with that but <laughs> but one of the chauffeurs who was there he said Brian welcome to the business you know in his kind of prayer proud way and He said, I want you to know that your role here is to make my life easier. (laughs) And as he said that to me, it initially rubbed me the wrong way. But then I thought, oh, prophetically, you're speaking out. If I could only give you Jesus, it would make your life a whole lot easier and better for all of us. (laughs) 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 But some of the attitude that he had was just that. And then he also had this tendency to be late for his shift not being on time, not ready. And so he would come rushing into the shop is where the realm that I worked, and he'd be quickly putting drinks into the limo and ice into the limo and try to get it out, and you know, and, and we knew this was not a good way to do it. You're supposed to come at this time, plenty of time, early, to get things ready and get it out. And then there'd be times I'd be watching him, because my responsibility was watch over the chauffeur's, and I'd see he was not there and I'm watching the clock and, oh, he's cutting it too close and he's cutting it too close. And then there were times I would get the phone call, oh, Brian, I, I slept through my alarm. Oh, Brian, uh, traffic is so busy, I, I didn't know it was going to be this busy. <laughs> and all the excuses. And he'd say then the words that I knew were coming in the conference: can you get my limousine ready for me? Can you set it up for me? Get everything set so that when I roll in, I could just hop in the vehicle and get going. And you know in those moments when just instantly thoughts just go through your mind, those thoughts would go humanly through my mind are, are you going to share your gratuity with me at the end of your trip? (laughs) When they give you a bonus tip, are you going to share that with me because I help get, you know? And I'm like, ah. And I would hear God say, do nothing at a selfish ambition. Look to the interests of others first. How can you serve this guy? how can you bless him? And so I would start to get his vehicle ready. And the first few times wasn't as a saint, as you see me now. But (laughs) eventually, the Spirit of God started to humble me and say, do this to serve him, to show him, the love on him. And then I would add the extra and say, hey, How about I meet you halfway through the city so you don't have to waste all the time that you don't have coming all the way here? I'll meet you there, I'll set you up, and you can go. And you see, because if he doesn't get to the customer on time, then he looks bad but not just him then we as a company look bad and not just as a company we will suffer them because the reputation will spread out that they're late and they're not ready and they're incompetent we are all represented through so if I could bless and serve him looking to the interests of him and his guests who are going to be on board the outcome would be so much different those are the hard moments to say yes I want to have the attitude of Christ Jesus but you need to decide before the hard moments that you want the attitude of Christ Jesus. Because when the hard moments come, you're going to be tested to say, it's not worth it, buddy. <laughs> you wouldn't do this for me. You're going to be so tempted to just put the phone down or not even answer the phone, right? Oh, I know who's calling. If he's going to suffer. Let him, let him deal with it. But when we look at it and say, no, I want to make an impact, those were the hard days. Earlier this spring, I was at the hockey arena watching my nephew play hockey, and in comes this chauffeur who, he no longer works for the company, I no longer, but we greeted each other. And he just warm, gave me a big, warm hug and embraced me. And I knew that there was now a connection as friends, as men, as almost brothers, because of the relationship that we had experienced today. I didn't shove it back on him and say, you're so proud and arrogant, deal with yourself. I began to serve him the way that Jesus was trying to teach my heart. And I came alive, and then I was seeing that life rub off on him. That's the impact we can make when we have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Now, I know some of you younger generation who are here this morning and listening to this and thinking of Jesus' humility and thinking, yeah, I, I should serve like that. How can I do... Oh. And an idea hits you and you think, oh, I, could, I, could, I know I could serve humbly like that. And, and just in the right moment, if I get the right angle, I can do a selfie and show how humble I am as I serve, right? <laughs> because we try to catch every moment in life, you know, and put it out there. I hope you don't because that would ruin the element of humility, do all things in humility. Actually, I hope that your friends don't even catch you in that humble moment, because even if they caught you in that humble moment, I'm sure the world, the enemy, would distort that humble act and mess it up somehow, because I don't want you to get likes on here. I want you to feel the like in here. I want you to feel the love and affirmation that the Father A well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for serving that way. Have you heard of, uh, you know about Selfies? Um, Yuffie. Have you heard of a Yuffie? It's the opposite of a selfie. It's posting pictures of others and blessing them. And I don't know if one of our young adults had this in mind, but over the last two years, I have seen him post picture after picture of person after person. And he keeps putting the hashtag with it, here's another beautiful person. Here's another beautiful person. And he just keeps celebrating people. And I'm like, yeah, that's thinking of the best interests of others rather than of ourselves. As you process these thoughts and having the attitude of Christ Jesus, you may be wondering, how, where does it come from? Where does this, how do I walk this out? What what was the original thought here? Paul, what were you like as you wrote these words to the church in Philippi? We'll back up to chapter 1. And you'll see in chapter one, verse one, Paul says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. There's a servant word. Just like Christ who came to be a servant, to serve and not be served. Paul caught that heart and attitude and he began to serve others. And Paul, in the context here, Paul's context was prison. He was in prison for sharing his faith with the community and a world that didn't like what they were hearing. They were saying, you're blaspheming. There's no way that Jesus was the son of God. And he was taken captive and put in prison where there were not three square meals served today, where punishment and whippings and beatings were happening. But yet Paul responds in chapter 1, and he says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ. I'm alive with Christ Jesus. I'm so alive, even right here in this prison. The context for Paul was prison. The inspiration for Paul is Jesus Christ. When you have Christ as your life, the attitude of Christ, the fullness of Christ, you're welcoming to live through, even in prison, you find great joy. You find reasons to celebrate. Reasons to say, thank you, God, that you are alive. I don't feel like I'm a captive. I feel free. The past two days, some of our team here at Koinonia were at a leadership summit. And one of the speakers, Danielle Strickland, brought a message about uh, dealing with gender equality, dealing with racial, racial issues. And she said for some of her research and study, she and some of her team traveled to South Africa and visited the prison where Nelson Mandela spent much of his imprisonment. And she said the tour guides that took them to the prison that's no longer functioning nowadays, she said they were former inmates of that prison. Isn't that interesting? The tour guides were former prisoners. They gave a firsthand perspective of what the facility was like. And of course, they asked many different questions of these men. And their tour guide, they said to them, Tell us... What was the hardest part about your time here in this prison? And he said, what I'm going to tell you will be hard for you to understand. He said, the hardest part for me was leaving this place. He said, because here I found out what freedom was all about. I found out what trust was about. I found out what equality was about. I found out that I value and matter to a God who cares about me. And he said, I built a community of friends and brothers who were here. And so leaving here meant leaving them. (laughs) Only Christ can give you that kind of perspective, amen? amen? Only Christ can give you a full life, eternal perspective. That it's not about your situation, your circumstances, even your setting and atmosphere. It's about Christ alive inside of you. And that's what Paul had when he said, for me to live as Christ. If I die, it's gain for me. But I'm alive right here because Christ is alive in me. And that's why he comes to chapter 2 and he says to the Philippians and to all of us, if you, church, have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any koinonia in the Spirit, any fellowship in the spirit. If you have any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by letting Christ come alive in you so that I can see the joy in you of Jesus and others can see and experience that same joy overflowing in them as well. Christ, uh, Paul was inspired by Christ. Does Christ inspire you to fullness of life? As I bring this message to us this morning, I started off by saying, uh, I'm going to give you nothing, (laughs) Uh, to take home nothing. I want you to remember nothing, because we see that Jesus became nothing, and then we are told that we are to do nothing, but I underlie it all with nothing is really all about everything, because if you are not doing this, then everything you do should be this. If what you do not do is self-centered, what you, up, what you desire to do is then Christ-centered. Nothing is the new everything. Tweet that somewhere. As you go from here with nothing on your mind, <laughs> may it be because everything's on your mind. I want to do nothing now of, for myself. I want to do everything for Christ. God, show me who I can serve, who I can love. Where are the places that you can serve and love? They're easy to apply, right? And you're gonna need to as you go from here with this truth. Work is an easy one to say, okay, let's see how this applies in my workplace, because most of us spend the majority of our hours there. And work so easily, we get these little thoughts that come into our mind that it's about the paycheck, it's about, hey, how can I get promoted? Hey, it doesn't matter what the people are doing around me. I want to get noticed and seen and work my way up in work. But Jesus says here through Paul is, you know, look to the interests of others. How can I build up those I work around? How can I have the same attitude of Christ even in my workplace when it's not the best place around? (laughs) When I started here at Koinonia on staff, I began to witness different team members And there was one specific that truly had the attitude of Christ. They came in on their birthday and they brought us Jimmy's Minnie's Donuts. Surely that's the attitude of Jesus, right? (laughs) And I said, Why Why are you bringing enough donuts for all the staff? Like, really, you're treating the whole staff to all these donuts? And and he said, Well, this year's birthday is a mini one. (laughs) Next year's birthday is a major one. And so I said, well, thank you for being generous this year. I can't wait till we get to your major gift that you bring (laughs) us all. But generosity is what I saw. Then I also saw a team member sacrifice. I was the facility supervisor when I started here. So overseeing our facility and custodian team. And during a trip in February of that year, I was in another country teaching. And while I was away, I got a message from one of the other team members who said, uh, my, grand, my grandfather has passed away, and my family is traveling to Holland to see them. Is there any way I could get off work and go? And I'm thinking, okay, there's only three of us, and I'm away. And if you leave, that leaves one. And we know it's a three-person job. I don't, I don't think this is possible. And, and before I had fully worked this out over email with this staff member, another team member jumped in and said, hey, I'll take his shift. (laughs) I will serve the house on the facility team so that he can be freed up to be with his family and go. Not many people throw their hand up to be on the facility team in an eager way. But those who have the heart of Christ who say, I want to serve like Jesus did. I want to impact in my workplace so that people see the heart of Jesus through me. Maybe it's in your family that you are going to have the opportunity to Look at the best interests of others rather than yourself. To not do anything out of selfish, but do everything around your family members. There's some incredible training ground, isn't it? To love them first, to serve them first, to beat them to their chore so you could do it for them. Yeah, that's sometimes hard to do with family. <laughs> sometimes we rub shoulders the wrong way with those closest to us and even say things hurtful to those closest to us, but I believe... God put us in our family as training ground. He wanted us to learn to love and serve selflessly before we go into the world and try and show them the Father's love. Marriage is another spot, husbands and wives, where we can model, where we can walk out, where we can invite the attitude of Christ because every day it's not easy to serve your spouse. It's, uh, this little voice comes into your mind too of, Oh, well, they should do it for me this time because I served them last time. You know, oh, how many times have I picked this up? Don't even see it. And you hear these negative voices that start to make you think not so positively about the one you said, I do to. God has called us to lay down our lives, and He calls us to do it in our marriages so that we can do it with our kids, so we can do it with our neighborhood, (laughs) so we can do it with our cities. What about our church? here right here. How are we to have the attitude of Christ Jesus here? Well, church is easy, isn't it? This is, this is an easy spot to be like Jesus. We come in, and there's air conditioning. Uh, the foyer's bright and beautiful. The coffee's fresh and new. And we got loose leaf tea. It's easy to have the attitude of Jesus here because Jesus drank loose leaf tea, of course. And so we think that, oh yeah, it's easy to do that here, but... It's so easy for us in this facility to go, oh, this is comfortable. <laughs> I could just come and be at a great service and listen to good musicians. And, and yeah, they kind of lift my spirit a bit as I just observe them, look around. and Oh, it's a bit too cold now. They should turn warm up the air conditioning. And, and oh, the seats were pretty comfortable, but man, they should get some new seats because these ones are wearing out. And it's so easy all of a sudden for our attitude to start to shift and think this place is here to serve us. When God has called us to use this place to reach the world, this place is to be comfortable, yes, but not so that we get lethargic. So we bring hurting people here to do life and fellowship together and be introduced to Jesus as we walk with them. So this place can be a safe place so they can come out of their brokenness and their rejection and feel like, I'm not going to be condemned here. I'm with somebody who cares about me. I'm surrounded by people who believe in a God who cares about us. That's what this place is for. May we not take it for granted and lose the attitude of Christ even in this amazing facility. May we say, God, what do you want to use this for? Please use it to reach this world with your love. And lastly, I finish with this. Are you alive in Christ, you yourself? Are you alive in him? It, do you have the attitude of Christ Jesus? Have you laid down anything that would be selfish ambition or vain conceit, arrogance, that you're, this is where I've got to get to in life? And believe me, there's a thousand million messages of that coming at us every day. But if you give in to those messages and pursue something that is what the world pursues as a way that will make you alive, you will see how temporary it really is. But when you pursue Jesus and say, I want to be alive in you, Christ, when you say yes to Christ to every part of your life, every area, the the parts of your life that are seen and the parts of your life that are unseen, You're gonna feel a heartbeat rise up in you like never before. You're gonna feel something inside of you saying, oh, I'm coming alive. I didn't get the dirt bike yet. I didn't get the dream vacation yet, but there's something coming alive in me that seems like a whole lot better than that vacation or that gift out there. It's coming alive in me because it's something that's eternal. Simon Sinek said it this way. He said, pursue an infinite life. Don't pursue something that's temporary. Pursue something that's eternal. An attitude of Christ Jesus is eternal. The Savior is eternal. Faith is eternal. Church, would you rise up and stand with me? Because as you leave here, and I said leaving here with nothing, but I want you to recognize that it's everything because it's Christ. We're going to sing this song out, declare it out that we are alive in Christ. If you are, let it rise out of you. Let it come forth from you. And let that truth just overwhelm you as you're here. Jesus, we worship you. Yes, Lord.